From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. Hey guys, welcome to uh, the question of the of life, the universe, and everything. Uh, episode forty-two of Trip Sports Radio. I'm your host Ben Raskin. With us today, Kevin Winter Morris. How you doing, buddy? And uh, let's put this episode, uh, the stone, straight in the house. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Hey, uh, so it's funny when you know a guy. I've known you for about two two plus years now, and uh, big fan of uh, your Cubs. Big fan of fishing, but uh, somehow you have a new passion. What's up with this curling? I do. Okay, so about two weeks ago, I was sitting at home. I was on the couch, and um, I was bored. There wasn't anything on TV. And so I decided that uh, that I was going to just kind of look and see what was on ESPN. Uh-huh. Um, on, it, it's, was there uh, dressage on? There wasn't. Um, <laughs> right. it, it, and it, it wasn't straight up ESPN. It was actually ESPN 3 and, like, their whole host of stuff they have just online. On the Oach. Right. <laughs> Essentially, yes. So – one of the things was curling, so I decided that I was going to start watching it, and it was the women's briar. I didn't even know what that was. What's the briar? Well, I didn't know, uh-huh. and it was the women's. So I'm there, and I was on the couch, and my wife was there too, and she was just ignoring me and was reading a book, and I started kind of getting into it. I was like, yeah, go for it. All right, so that was that day. I watched it for a couple hours, uh-huh. and that was enough for me. Well, then uh, back at the beginning of this week, um, I was home again and uh, started, got bored again. I was like, hey, I wonder if there's any curling. I wonder if it's over. <laughs> well, now it's the men's briar. Well, what I have come to realize is that the briar is uh, only the most important championship in Canada in curling. Um, it is, uh, it's it's a big time. Like, that. that's what you play for is to win the briar if you're a curler in Canada. It's, I- so... Different team. It's different teams from the provinces um, and territories, and uh, they compete. And I, Benny, I am so hooked on this. It's ridiculous. My daughters and I. I have a seven and a five year old daughter, and both of them watch it with me too. It's to the point now where the seven year old was like, "Hey, daddy, daddy, isn't that the guy from Alberta?" And I was like, "Yes, it is." <laughs> we recognize them. We have nicknames for different curlers. It's unbelievable. I love it. I'm hooked. It's 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 a peculiar sport to say the least. Um, how, how dare you, sir? Well, it's you know it's I was I was talking before before I with Mike's. It's like how are we going to step you away from this? Like billiards, darts, you know, badminton, you know. It's, no, there's no. what's the methadone for curling? There is uh, more more curling, curling. <laughs> absolutely. And you know what? I'm okay with it. It you know what? If you're going to be obsessed with something, you might as well make it something healthy like curling. Yeah. Well, it's definitely an eclectic sport. I remember in 2002 when they were uh, – prior to 2002 that one of the conversations they had is where they're going to put – I believe they call it the house. Is that where curling is, takes place? Uh, no. It, it, it's, on a, it's on a sheet of ice. It's on a sheet. Right. And part of it is the house. It, the house is the uh, inside of the ring. So what's the facility they have curling in? Uh curling facility. The curling dome? Yeah, cur- <laughs> the curladome. The curladome. You got your velodromes, you got your curladomes. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm giving you kind of a hard time with it because it's uh, kind of a like, little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a participatory thing watching the, uh, the winter games. Like, I cannot do the Super G. You know, aerials, forget about it. The ski jump, no way, Jose. Uh, ice, figure skating, you know, I mean, maybe a couple of periwets on the ice, but I'm probably going to be eating you know, eating uh, slushies on my feet pretty quick with that. Right. But uh, curling, it seems to have the everyman kind of look to it. And I was really shocked that these are not guys that look like you and me. These are kind of hunky dudes yeah. with guns, you know, uh, holding up their wrists. Right. Well, see, that's the thing is that it, it does seem like an everyman sport. And although, I mean, you got to have 16 stones and you got to have an ice rink and you got to have brooms. But other than that, anyone can do it. Um <laughs> I think it it's kind of one of those that it probably – I've never curled. Okay. I've always wanted to. I've never had the opportunity to do it. But my guess, having played hockey for a while now, is that it's something that looks significantly easier than it really is. That to be able to do what these – guys are doing these men and women are doing is really difficult well have you ever done shuffleboard at a bar 
I have. You know, and so I mean, or or rec center or boys right. and girls club. But I mean, when you watch the shuffleboard, I think a lot of the rules are still kind of in play. You know, you got to get it down a long, you know, slippery slip of either yeah. wood or you know ice in this case, and it does seem like there has to be a bit of finesse. Uh, I, you know, for a very Canadian sport, which have the Quebecois, it seems like you have to put a lot of English on the stones. It, it's all about trying to get them to curl, mm-hmm. hence the name, to where you want them to. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. It's, it's unbelievable when you think about trying to throw something, or trying to glide something down the ice and control it. I, it those stones weigh 44 pounds. Okay, for the listeners at home, what would be uh, a particularly – who are a couple of the players to watch in curling? If we want to get on Insta- uh, Instagram, uh, all your social media, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, who are some of the, uh, the guys you want to be listening to Well, watching? See, see, I think uh, my experience is very limited. I have to be honest about that. Okay. However, the championship – the Briar Championship is Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure everyone is marking their calendar right now. Uh, 5 p.m. is the final uh, is the uh, um, uh, <laughs> the, the title match is at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Papa okay? John's is going to get gold match on sheet B <laughs> up at the Saddle Dome in Calgary, right? All right, so the right, the top four teams make the playoffs, and right now, now you and I, we we just watched the end of Labrador and Newfoundland. And Northern Ontario. <laughs> and we saw Newfoundland and Labrador hand Northern Ontario their first loss. Huge. I mean, that, that, was, that was seriously big time. So, who do I like? See, I, I like Alberta as a dark horse. Now, they really aren't a dark horse with Kevin Cooey skipping. I, I think we all know that uh, Kevin the Cooey fear has of a the history great of, of greatness. <laughs> Uh, they're at four and four though, and and so they've got some work to do. But being the Alberta team, they are the home team because it's at in Calgary, Alberta. So I kind of like Alberta to sneak in there. I think Cooey could lead them in there. Um, I'll tell you though that uh, you know do not sleep on Prince Edward Island. Casey has done a good job, although they they're only three and six now, which they need to make up some. They, they had a good little run to get in. They knocked off Bob Smallwood and the Yukon Territories in the pre-qualifier. But, eh, you know, he, he's, he's rooting okay. It's rooting for the uh, Yukon Territories. They're, like, rooting for the Cleveland Browns. Like, what else do you have? You might as well just, you know, give them the Briar Cup. Uh, how dare you. <laughs> First of all, you don't just give the Briar to anyone, okay? The title is earned. You earned the title. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that Newfoundland-Labrador team is unbelievable. The shot... I made you watch you that did. shot from yesterday against Alberta. I wish there was a way we could link this on the website. Uh, me too, because it was, as a curling fan, as I am, that was a fan phenomenal being short shot. for fanatic. That that shot was unbelievable. They're eight and two. I like them. I like them. They're looking good. Right, okay, this, right, I wanted to kind of transition this. Uh, this um, good luck with that. Yeah, because it's going to be hard. But uh, it seems like this would be a perfect sport for you to do some participatory journalism with. You know, like like to get your uh, to sort of put yourself into the middle of this game uh what do you you said there's two places to go curling in salt lake city or in northern utah i there are there are a couple places you can go up to ogden Mm -hmm. which is where the uh the 2002 games were at. right the the olympics were up there um you can go out to the olympic oval um they have it out there they actually have it up in park city too uh where you can go out and curl um i i think benny you think i'm thinking you and i need to go try this i really do i think that um I think we got to go see what it's about. I got. I think we got to go see if we're any good at this. Okay, so let's uh, let's put together. Let's say we're going to get uh, an A team and a B team simply from the Salt Lake Tribune. Who's on A team A team B? All right. Well, who's the skips? See, this this is interesting because we were actually talking about this a little bit in in the online department yesterday, uh-huh. and one of the guys actually has curled. Like, he went once on a date. So, already he's got a black belt comparison to everybody else here. Well, he has experience. now. Drop a name because I'm following this guy on Twitter. Uh, Dave Newland has tweeted once or, or has, <laughs> has curled once. <laughs> he's he, tweeted he, once. <laughs> he, he admits – he does admit that um, that he went on a date and that the, like, instructor could not have been meaner and just didn't put up with any garbage. The Gordon Ramsay of curling. Was like, I don't care if you're on date. Don't mess with me. Like, this This is the big time. Okay. Mondays and Fridays at the Oval, it's available for <laughs> learning to curl. So we're, we're probably going to do that 
on one of those nights. In three Mondays, we will be down there. What time at the uh, <laughs> Mondays from eight fifteen to ten fifteen, uh, or Fridays from seven thirty to nine thirty p.m. <laughs> okay, so one of those two nights, we aren't sure yet. Follow us on Twitter, and we will tweet when we're going to go. Oh, and we come will come on out with us. We'll, uh, we'll shoot some video of this. Um, I got now, our... okay. So we're putting together our team. Putting together a team. Okay. So I feel like I should be on one. I well, you should like... skip one of the teams. I, I think so. And I don't know how, but to skip a team, but I will. And by basis of experience, Newland has got to be one of the next ones. Okay, so he, it's me against him. So I would load up his team with people who um, I think might not be the best curlers uh, so that I can beat him. Peggy Fletcher? You know what? Uh, no, I think, I, think she, I think she could do it. I think she might be okay. Uh. Um, let's see. On... on on Noon's team, let's go with uh, uh, let's go with Chris Kimrani. Okay, Chris is a soccer guy. He's going to try to kick the, the okay. stone. That isn't going to work. Um, Aaron Falk won't care, so I'm going to stick Falk on that team too. Um, two of the the regulars here on let's the go with the big team. hammer. Go with the biggest hammer of all of these. Who is you dumping on that team? Who who else am I going to foggy dump? baby? Fog, Goonie, Goon. <sighs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like my chances against that against that team. All right. So it's it's Newland, Kamrani, Falk, and Goon. On my team, I'm gonna take. Right, can I take you? Take me. You want in? All right. You and I. Let's uh, get Pat Bagley. He's a. Cur- I'll bet you that guy can. I curl. bet Bagley can. I'll curl. bet you he can curl. And let's take Steve Hunt, the uh, the Justice Desk editor. Perfect. He looks like a curler. <laughs> he does. He looks like a curler. <laughs> I don't. I don't care if he, if they can curl. I want people who look like they can curl. Yeah, well, I, I like our chances. I, I have the gut of a curler. Uh, I bring up the participatory journalism stuff because I'm kind of in the middle of reading a book by George Plimpton called Shadow Boxing, yeah. and uh, I don't. And he also wrote another great one called The Paper Lion. Uh, and The Paper Lion, he wanted to know what it was like to be a professional football player, and so he gets himself on. And I'm probably going to miss the date on this. I want to say the six, 1967-68 Detroit Lions. I think somewhere in that neighborhood right. like that. And, um, you know, he goes out there as quarterback, and he goes to camp with the Lions uh, during the time. Uh, it's gr- it, the best part of the entire book is this, uh, a character comes out as uh, Alex Camus. Uh, I'm pronouncing it right? He was a guy that was in the movie Blazing Saddles that punched the, the, punched the horse. All right, well, he went, he, he, he did this. He joined the training camp of the 63 Lions. 63, okay. Yeah. So it was 1963 um, Detroit. Karras. Alex Karras. Alex Karras. So, uh, talking about Karis and basically just talking about what training camp was like. And, you know, uh, this is definitely a day before they would have uh, workout facilities. Essentially, they were going to uh, a junior college and throwing the ball around, running plays. It's not the work. You know, it's not like when we watch uh, Hard Knocks on TV where you see, like, the weight camps and all the specialty training and all the different coaches that come into that. And uh, they put him into one game, and he finds out, even though he is somewhat of an athlete, throwing a football in a real-life game where people are trying to clobber you, it is much, much more difficult. Yeah. And uh, the second one, and I'm in the middle of this book called Shadow Boxing, and he basically says he wanted to fight the light heavyweight champion of the world, a guy named Archie Moore. Mm-hmm. And so at the very beginning of the book, he's talking about, you know, uh, the first thing he had to do to get ready to fight, uh, fight a prize fighter was quit smoking, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And then, you know, he was doing a lot of road work and then hitting the bags and um, so on and so forth. Anyway, the day of the fight when he was getting ready to uh, square off against Archie Moore in a gym in New York City, he uh, ends up going to a country club, eats a, a steak Diane. For those at home, that's basically a, a ribeye steak covered in Dijon mustard and cream. <laughs> had like a fruit cup and a bunch of other stuff. I mean, things you would never think. You know, you, want, you think about mixed martial artists in the UFC. These guys cut 16 pounds in three days to make weight. You know, <laughs> so they're completely dehydrated. This guy's eating one of the heaviest uh, French meals you've ever had. He goes in there, and Archie Moore just carries him for three rounds, you know. And uh, uh, no spoiler alert on that, but you know he gets in there, and Archie Moore just has you know laser-like reflexes, super fast, and was able to tap him at will. And the only time that uh, George Plimpton was able to even get one off is when Archie drops his guard and then said, "Hit me," you know. And so he hit him <laughs> as hard as he could. Moore took it, and that was the end of that, you know. Yeah. And, and by, by saying, and so they end up calling it a draw and raising both of their guys' hands up and stuff. So the question I have for you is uh, as a former sports journalist, now that you do the digital editing, if you can go back and do sort of an enterprise piece on any of the sports available here in Utah, what would they be? Yeah, I think 
and, I, and jump, and I mean, and I mean, be something that's like run point guard for one quarter for the Utah Jazz. No, not a quarter. I'd die. <laughs> um, I couldn't run that much. Um, that's a good question. I always, I, I did always think that it would be interesting to stand in the batter's box and and have Randy Johnson throw three pitches to Thro- you. Um, however, um, I also remember the all-star game where he threw the one over John Crook's head Mm -hmm. and that would scare me to death that he would miss and hit me. Um, Crook's had a three beer high. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, and also I don't want to be disrespectful. John Crook is one of my all time favorite Phillies. (laughs) Oh, he phenomenal guy. Um, the, it was a 93 all-star game. Um, but to see how quickly that ball comes up and how much that ball moves from mm-hmm. that perspective, I think would be unbelievable. Um, but if I got hit, I would fall down and, and the high pitch yelp that I would let out would shatter glass <laughs> everywhere because I'm a big baby. <laughs> um, I, I, I do think – see, the NBA, it really wouldn't – that wouldn't intrigue me that much. Um, I think maybe being – I think it would be cool also with the Utah Grizzly to – the Grizzlies to be See, on the, because of my kind of, hockey Yeah, thing. because thing, I was thinking with that, it's like come off the third line with them, you know, maybe play defensemen for, uh, you know, one one you know One shift. One shift. I mean, that's that, enough. You know. It, that would be cool. It would be cool because you would see the size and the speed at at a whole different level. Um, and in fairness, I mean, like – with the job that I do have, I do get the opportunity sometimes to be right up close. Yeah. Uh, like football, for instance, going to Utah games or BYU games, and you're right, like you're on the sideline, and you're just away from it. And so you do, you can kind of get that perspective a little bit of how big these guys are. Like I remember it was uh, the Utah-Oregon um, State game a couple of years ago, and I was down in the end zone when Oregon State scored in overtime to win it, it the, with the, um, the, the touchdown yeah. um, to the receiver in the back of the end zone. And when you're standing at the very back of the end zone, and they were on, I forget, they were within the 10, probably about the 5 or so. And to, you see the guys line up, and you can't really see the Oregon State guys because you the Utah guys are so big. It gives you that perspective yeah. of just how big these guys are. And, you know, then when they stand up and guys start moving. And then the speed, like, to watch when the quarterback releases the ball, the receiver isn't anywhere near where he's going to catch it. The timing there, to see that, the speed and the timing and the size of the guys there, at from that perspective, is really cool. Well, even one step below that, it was two years ago, we were up at uh, Rice-Eccles, and uh, who did East lose to in – Kind of Tim Few. It was Tim Few. Yeah. So I was down on the I was down on the uh, sidelines during the third quarter, just uh, trying to come up with a sidebar. It was I remember yeah. interviewing like cheerleaders and talk, doing our tuba watch and talking to the principal over at East and stuff. And I happened to be right at the line of scrimmage, just as I'm walking up and down the sidelines. Yeah. And mind you, these are high school boys, you yeah. know. And um, I was directly on the line of scrimmage. I just happened to be in that place. And after uh, as the snap count went off. I saw both lines converge on each other, and yeah. this is the volume of the just the sheer plastic on plastic, flesh on flesh, as yeah. they, you know they collide into each other. There is this moment going like, "Holy Toledo!" These like the oldest boy there is 18 years old, you know, and I, so there's definitely a power there. I think with the participatory there, it's like obviously I, I want to go back and be an Uncle Rico and play you know, quarterback <laughs> for you know the, the East Leopards, you right. know, but. Right. Um, I would think uh, doing one. I think Utah Jazz, you know, maybe in the second quarter, come off the bench and run the point, you know. Yeah, for, but the thing. Am I even talking? That. I'm talking. Even, and here's the Ferris. We'll do a scrimmage, not against like the Trailblazers, right. you know, like an right. inter-team scrimmage. I can't. I mean, because you know, we watched. Uh, they had a tough loss yesterday against Boston Celtics. You know, with they had a uh, they had a layup that was scored against them with two seconds left. Uh, but you know, those guys. You just forget two things. The size of these individuals and the yeah. speed in which they play. Yeah. It doesn't convey very well on TV. That You forget right. that Gordon Haywood is a big man. Right, because it, it, it's all about perspective. Yeah. And when all of them are 6'10 and moving as fast as they are, it, you, you kind of lose that perspective. But, I mean, really, if, if, I were that, if I were to try that and I were the point guard 
and like Rudy Gobert passes me the ball, the first thing I would do is go ah! and pass it away. <laughs> I mean, because the, whoever the, the defender is would be on you just like that. Yeah. It would be so fast, and you don't have time to think. And, with, and back to the size things, that you look at Gordon on TV, and it's like, oh, look at those noodle arms on him. Yeah, he's only yeah. got a noodle arm in comparison to some of the people out there. The reality is that that guy is fit as a fiddle, yeah. you know? And, oh, yeah. And he yeah. probably has the strength where, you know, 235 on a bench press, yeah, I'll rack out 13, 14. Right, exactly. He has yeah. no problem just racking out huge weight. Right. The difference is that, prospectively, he's long and lean, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's true, man. I, and when, like, going into the locker room and, and to – be up close to to those guys. Like LeBron James is a good example. I mean, when you are up close to him, I he actually wasn't as big as I thought he was because I I thought he was just massively yeah. large. But his his arms are so defined. <laughs> I, and I mean, he's the type of guy that if you were walking down the street and came across him, or I mean, even Gordon Hayward in like a dark alley. Man, you're done. You're done. Your oh. life is over. Oh, he's got They're enormous guys. So I think you're right. I think you, uh, a Grizzly game might be a good way, you know, in second period coming, you know, third third shift, you know, just yeah. jump, jump on there would be good. Although even there, I mean, when you go to the games and you see guys get smashed up against the glass, yeah. like someone's going to try to hit you. Yeah. And, you know, like if you go to the net and you try to actually score – they're going to knock you over, yeah. and they're going to try to knock your teeth out. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. And to to take that hit on ice skates and to really feel the power of that would be – it would be cool, but it would hurt like a son of a gun. So what about – okay, so what about – I forget the name of the guy who wrote this book, or it was an article, but he was trying to do the George Plimpton thing with the Detroit uh, – I'm sorry, the Denver Broncos as a uh, – I think it was a field goal kicker, and uh, he – I don't remember. I don't remember the article, you know. And, yeah. You know, because there's so much show prep we do for this, but uh, he goes out there and during an exhibition game, I think he was able to nail two of the three of them out there because he had a really good soccer background and so on and so forth. Uh, what about uh, field goal kicking for the Utes or for the Cougars? Oh man. Or I was thinking almost, and not even like long time. How about just Holder? I, I Holder. Could you take that snap because it comes back at you, you know? You know, right. it's right there. And if it's not laces out, you know, a la Ace Ventura, you know, it could be problems. I mean, we've talked about, you know, the joy of being the long snapper uh, and th- that being our ticket to college. Should have been our ticket um, to a, a professional football children. league for 17 years. The snapper, I mean, really, you can't you can't really hit the snapper. So I like that aspect of it. <laughs> um, it would be cool to try it. Mm. It, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Even if it was just – see, because if you do it in practice, then everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And in a game, it's never going to really happen. So you kind of have to – you just make believe that it would. Um, in a game, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a, I'd give it a give-go. Sure. See, I was – because in reading the shadow boxing um, – the shadow boxer, I should say, is that I, with a little boxing I have done in the past, it's like, I'd step in the ring. You know, yeah. what's you know, you're wearing protective gear. You know, you've got your your the your groin protector. You've got headgear. You've got a mouthpiece on. You know, you're wearing a shirt, so you're not going to be. You know, they're not their punches aren't going to tear your flesh yeah. off your chest and stuff. Uh, there's a part though, which is like, I would if not if not fight a guy, I'd like to hold the mitts for say like a Manny Pacquiao. You know, yeah. like hold the focus yeah. pads for him so he goes in and, and see. I would like to see how hard those guys can hit just my hands with the padding. Now, and actually. Uh, colleague Brett Prettyman actually has done this. Would you put on the goalie gear for a shoot around for the Grizzlies? Would you put on the goalie gear, stand in the net, in a millisecond. and play goalie and have those guys just shoot? In you? absolutely a millisecond. Really? I wouldn't think twice of it. That would be amazing. I, I, Brett, Brett Prettyman, who's yeah. the outdoors reporter, did it back uh, a long time ago when he was uh, covering hockey before the Olympics. Okay. Um, and, and he actually did it. And he said... It still hurts. Oh, it, it I, hurts a lot, but I, I think that could be cool. I think it'd be. That's even better. One period as a goalie. As goalie for the Grizz, you would get lit up. Oh, you'd give up ten goals <laughs> easily. I I remember there was once I was it was uh, a number of years ago and a buddy of mine. Uh, he plays goalie. He's a you know pickup games. He you know he he never played in high school. Nothing yeah. like that. But he loves to play. He's the same age as me. We've been friends forever, and. Um, he and I went to a, a pickup game, and it was over Christmas. It was back in New York, and so there were a bunch of you know college kids back and stuff. And there were a couple of guys who were very clearly 
Division One hockey players. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were on the other team. And I remember my buddy, like, they were just messing with him. It was it, it was mean. Like, they were seriously taunting him. Where, like, they'd come skating in. They'd, they'd spin around. He'd dive to make the save. And they still have the puck, like, holding it up on their stick and then just, like, flick it in. Lobbing. I was Lobbing. like, come on, man. That's just mean. I feel like that's what would happen to me. Yeah. Is that they would be, like, it would they would just mock me. Yeah, but you know what do you do with a bully is that you punch him in the nose. You know, it's like uh, you take one cheap shot. All you got to do is throw your stick at one guy. One guy. <laughs> just, let's go, you know. Yeah. What do you, uh, I want to get back to this participatory uh, for a second, but when they do these bench clears in hockey, is it uh, is there anything greater? That's, uh, we're not, I'm not celebrating fighting, but it is part of the history there. But is there anything greater than when it's a full-on team brawl where it's like the goalies kind of almost begrudgingly go – I guess I'm meeting you in center ice, you know. It's, when the goalies get into it, man, that's that, you know it's serious. Yeah. Well, at that point, there's only, what, three refs on the ice? They're right. Not, they're not right. breaking up the goalies. Right. Uh, no, no. Because they've had Abrams' tank worth of uh, protection on them to begin uh, with. They do. It, it, it's actually amazing to watch a goalie put on their gear because it is. Like, they seriously strap on body armor. It, it's all up and down their arms. And, like, there are straps and buckles and wing nuts. I, I mean, they are... They're a dominatrix, well uh, dominatrix uh, uh, dream. <laughs> Seriously, I mean that that stuff, and then, but I wouldn't want to. Man, they take a beating. So years ago, when I was playing rugby back in college in Nevada, we went out to watch it. Amer- um, it was America versus I want to say Fiji in an exhibition game out in Palo Alto. Uh-huh. And before the game start, or it was either before the game or after the game, they had their uh, second tier guys go at it. You know, and so. Anyways, the game's going on. It's getting more and more heated. Fiji is really taking care of business on the second side team and stuff. And a fight breaks out on the field. Yeah. And uh, as they do, and the nice thing about rugby is that uh, fight, there's a couple of nice things about rugby. One is that position-wise is that like-minded, like-sized fellas tend to play the same position. And your jersey number indicates what position you are. For example, your props will be one and three. The hooker will be two. Your scrum half will be nine. You know, so they have, they just have these numbers. And it, more often than not, the guy who's playing hooker on the other team is probably built the exact same way, you know, short, stubby, very wide, very strong and stuff. But I never knew this at the time because the coach I played for, he said, if you, I catch you fighting on the field, you will not be playing for me. And so yeah. it wasn't like we were afraid to, you know, get combative and protect ourselves. But the reality is that we weren't a fighting squad in that manner yeah. and stuff. So as we're out there uh, watching the second-tier game, kind of like uh, sitting in the stands, uh, beautiful day down there. A fight breaks out on an international level, you know. And so I remember <laughs> talking with the guy, kind of the guy, older guys on the team. I'm going like, why is that number 12, you know, one of the guys kind of in the backfield and stuff like that. Yeah. Why is number 12 like running around looking for something, you know. <laughs> and I thought he was looking for the like the locker room or the tunnel to get the heck off the field. As it turns out, he's looking for his opposite number. <laughs> and so, and then when it was brought to my attention, I was like, oh, the number 12 is over there. And eventually they find each other. And while the fight had been broken up because guys had been kind of going at each other, they get each other after the whistles have blown, the fight's in. And you could see these guys almost lazily running up and taking a swing at each other. <laughs> and so... I always I always equated that to sort of like a hockey fight, you know, like goalie on goalie and stuff. But I don't know. What about okay? So in terms of participatory, I have a couple more I wanted to throw out at you and stuff. Like obviously basketball is out, hockey I think you're in, baseball. What about pitching to these big timers? Do you think you have enough junk to throw down the middle to, to go sixty feet six inches? I think I could get it to the plate. I think. I, I'd like to think that at least one of the pitches they would miss, swing and miss, because it'd be so slow. Because you're throwing in a 32-mile-an-hour right. junk ball. I think that then I, – I, I remember back a long time ago, um, I was covering a baseball team in Wisconsin, and there was a guy, he led the league in homers allowed, and I did a story um, about it, and I was like, you know, how do you kind of deal with it? And – because, you know, guys gave him a hard time about it. Like, he gave up, like, twice as many home runs as anyone else in the, okay. league, in the league. And uh, he's like, you know, all I do is I tell myself, I watch go over the fence, and I say, yeah, I supplied the power on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I think that's probably what I would do is uh, I would give up. If three pitches, at least two of them would be home runs, 
But I would know. Yeah. I supply Buy the, the power. power on that. <laughs> uh, I always would. You, would you get in there? I mean, well, I think uh, I was thinking of two things. One was uh, I've covered a, you know, a handful of bees games and stuff like that, and I've seen first pitches, and uh, you can tell when it's not going to be good when they're not even on the mound and right. they're ten feet in front of the mound, and even yeah. still, it drops six feet in front of the catcher. You not going to go well. And I would also think that's sort of like one of those things for catchers. It's like uh, he's probably going up and like, man, alive. This guy, he's got an arm like a wet noodle. He is nervous. You, I, it was almost like I could see his wife in the stands, and I know he, he's just not going to be able to throw it. So he, I bet the catcher's like, I'm, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to come up with this ball. I, I'm going to take care of him. And, so, and invariably, they all do that Carl Lewis or that Money yeah. Mayweather or 50 Cent where they throw it 15 feet behind the guy or yep. something like that. For, uh, so the answer to the question first, one – I'm going to kind of even back this up a little more. One, I would be nervous throwing a first pitch more so than I would be throwing three pitches towards a hitter. I think the first really? pitch would be harder. Uh, the, just the first pitch of a game would be absolutely maybe one of the more terrifying things you can do. Yeah. I, might, I would argue yeah. it might, I might have less nerve singing the national anthem than throwing the first pitch. I can't sing at all, so oh, that I have wouldn't go well. Voice. Horrible voice. That wouldn't go well. You know, as much as I love this country, I don't know all the words. You know, I'm kind of dependent upon that. Yeah, I'd be the guy who's halfway. <laughs> and the home of the brave. <laughs> Free brave. I, I would be the guy where there was a whole lot of money placed on will he get all the words right. Yeah. And a lot of money placed on no. Well, what was the, uh, was it not Iggy Azalea, but the uh, lady who sang Frozen for the Super Bowl right. this year. Uh, yeah. her, the, uh, one of the prop bets was, will she sing in under uh, two minutes, two seconds? Yep. And yep. when she was walking off the field, they had a camera on her. And it was awesome. She actually looked at one of the guys and said, how long did I sing for? Because, <laughs> I mean, it was this moment where I think she even she, there's no way she could have been a ringer and thrown the, thrown the right. uh, unless she went absolutely, you know. Uh, uh, of the brave. <laughs> You know, that would have, you know, done that. Um, but I think with uh, throw the first pitch, throwing three, I would probably th- uh, pitch three, kind of like providing the power we do, then uh, want to play third base. Third base for one no, inning. Could no, no. The hot corner? Could you imagine? Oh, you'd die. I would die. There'd be a smash to third base that would take your face off. I could, I almost, there was a part of me where it's like, I almost feel as if I could protect my, just protect myself. And by protecting, I mean, get the glove in front of my face. Like from uh, shoulders down, I'm a dead man, but it's not hitting me in the face. Like, but I don't know even no. on a grounder, if I could get it from third to first while in a beer league, you know, softball, a beer rec softball league. I mean, it, give me the third base, you know, like. I'm the same way. I like playing the hot corner in a beer league, softball league. Uh-huh. Um, not in Major League Baseball, no way. I, I, would be, I would be the guy who died on a baseball field from getting hit in the face with a baseball. So, with say, all right, so and I would say the other one would be uh, playing right field uh, for whatever reason. Oh, I'm okay. With, yeah, put me in the outfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put, uh, play, to play center field for an inning at Wrigley Field would be amazing. And I would be the guy who tried to run into the wall, <laughs> face first. I, I absolutely, yeah. Oh, I would try it. It's a brick wall. The ivy does not help, but I would. Oh, I and would, the padding behind that is about as. I would thick. throw it. I mean, I would. I'd be two steps before the wall and then fall down like I'd run. Would into you the do wall. the thing where you throw your glove at it? <laughs> That's always. I've always wanted to see that in a major league game because I play enough softball where I see just people throw a glove at the ball like it's going to boomerang back in their hand. I, I might be willing to try that. Okay. I, I might, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, one last one of these. Uh, undercard, no. WWE. No, no, no. Could I, you make no. the march from the tunnel into the squared circle, look at your opponent? And then run out? Yes. <laughs> no way. No hell in the cell. I told you, I don't. I, I do not handle any type of pain very well. I would be the biggest <laughs> baby. No way. It's kind of like RSL. Like, I mean... No way. No. No. I, I think I think I could do well falling down and pretending I was hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does most of these uh, Major League Soccer players. But I'd be the guy, they'd be like, all right, here's what we're going to do, Kevin. We're going to build an attack and just run. Just run up and, we, and we'll pass you the ball. And I would, we would start from like our own, our own goal box and start running. The team would be at midfield, and I would not have cleared the penalty box. <laughs> I would—I mean, there's no way those guys. And then, 
like, or they'd be like, hey, you go defend Kyle Beckerman. Just defend him. <laughs> your job, he's your mark. Yeah, I'll mark him, yeah. okay? Kyle Beckerman, like, one snap of the head one way and then just goes around me and, and then turns back and goes, <laughs> and laughs at me as I'm falling, writhing in pain. And for those listening at home, that was not Kyle Beckerman. It was actually Kevin doing a spot-on Kyle Beckerman. I, I'm sure the there man was a of lot a thousand of voices. It's true. I think I would love to step on the pitch for RSL because at least I'm one of those. I know I'm probably, if I'm going to get hurt, it's going to be on a sprinkler head that my foot gets caught. But I think you could sort of, <laughs> you could sort of fake your way through that without getting too beat up or too too embarrassed. Okay. You have 10 shots. Ramondo's in goal. 10 penalty shots. How many do you think you can put in? One if he is if it's the 10th one and he's being cool cuz he knows my family's there. You think you think uh I, I I don't think I don't think he'd be cool. I I think he would stop every single one if he Oh, could. I think he's going to get the first. He's 8 for 8 on the first. He might on the second one shoot me a wink like Come on, you need to get. We'll give you. The where suit. would you go? All right, first shot. Where do you go? Left, right, or center? Top right. Yeah, but okay. See, here's part of the problem. Jump what are the l- chances that you can put it top right? Uh, cold now, zero. Uh, give me a couple of days practice, meh, probably. Problem is that this is the thing is that it's like when you play poker against people who don't play very often. It's like yeah. you can't control your body language. You know, right. it's like I and even as a, a I'm not even uh, Scott Summerdorf, one of the best poker players that I know of. It's like he has a, almost a uh, Jedi mind trick, like a Yoda, Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. control of his body language. And so mine is uh, young Padawan. It's not <laughs> close to the Jedi level. But, uh, you know, if I get pocket kings, I know not to go, what is alive? You know, I know to do that. With uh, your teeing off on those uh, penalty kicks, it's like my body language, he's just going to look at me and go, oh, he's going to put it on the left and the bottom. He's right. aiming. My eyes will betray me before I even make one step to the ball. Right. You're running to the ball, and Nick Ramondo is eating a sandwich already there waiting for the shot before Yo, you even kick it. He might yeah. even not set up in the center. Like, he could maybe even, like, casually start walking towards the direction I'm going to go to because I know my body language would betray me in a second. That's why I say, like, he's 8 for 8 for the first eight, and then on the ninth one, he's like, because I know he, uh, Nick's a good dude. And, yeah. know, and then on the 10th one, it's, he, might, uh, he might let me get the ninth one, but the 10th one he stops, but he wants to hold it so he can hand me the ball in front of everybody. He stops it. And then, like, reaches over his shoulder and puts it in. Yeah. Good job, Benny. That, you oh, that, scored one. No, I, I, I stand by this. I think Nick Romano is a really good dude. <laughs> okay. So I think he's going to give me one. <laughs> Switch it around. How many can I stop? Beckerman is on the dot. Ten shots. How many can you stop? If it's mid to low, I could probably stop one out of ten because I'll guess one direction, and I'm big and fat enough where I can cover enough just You think estate. you can stop one? Yeah, I don't want to, though. Because See, I think he has enough control that he could go high every single one. Yeah. If he but goes high every time, I'm screwed. I'm it, doomed. It's kind of like poker mm-hmm. in that, um, like, because I played a few times and with people who play a lot, and they, they hate it because they're like, you don't do what you're supposed to do. Yes. And I think that that might be the one opportunity that you'd have to to actually stop that's a actually, shot. You know what? And frankly, I think that's actually a really good point is that you, I've played poker too with people who aren't particularly good that get the pocket kings and then, you know, a king and two tens come out on the flop. And it's yeah. like they already, it pretty mostly, they've got the nut on the, 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 the hand and they bet reckless, crazy, right. and whatnot. And you're just, and there's almost this point where it's like, well, he's got the full house. Even I can kind of pick up on that. But the ones that get me is when they have two seven offsuit. The flop comes out, and they're betting madman, you know, right. and it's reality. They either turn the straight or whatnot. It's like you're right. When they don't know what they're doing, they're more, almost more dangerous. Because you have no idea. You have no idea. Right. You can't play right. them. You right. know, a guy like Scott, he's, uh, if he's going to let me win, it's because it's on his terms. He, yeah. Or rather, if he's going to lose, it's on his terms. Like he's right. making a calculated risk going like yeah. percentage-wise, most people don't do this. Right. Know? Exactly. And I think like, okay, what I would do with Beckerman most likely is I would kind of do that little dance, the dance back and forth, you know, to, to kind of tippy, mess with tappy, their head. Tippy, tappy, tippy, tappy, tappy. And then I would, I just stand there. I wouldn't move. Because chances are one out of the ten is going to try to go dead center. I would just stand there and cover my... So I would make the argument, if you, did, if you were to stop one, it might be the first two. Because he'll, he'll get you on three through ten. I, I think he's going to realize I'm not moving. But, <laughs> but out of those ten... I got to think at some point, like, first one, chances are he's going to go left or right. Uh But then 
the second or the third, he's going to think it, it probably my best chance probably is the second one because he's going to think, all right, I went left or right. So now this one, much, he's going to go the opposite. So I'm just going to go dead center. Well, how much do you him. think they overthink this? Oh, I, I absolutely. You think it's yeah. I think I think that there's. I remember when they went to and played in the for the MLS Cup title two years ago when they went in to Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before they shootout. Went, it's the end. Well, before that, all right. Before that, we went down. Chris Kimrani and I went down, and they said, "Hey guys, you know, get whatever you guys need for B-roll video. Shoot whatever you want." And we were like, "Oh, that's great." Until it came to the PKs, and they said, "Hey, look, guys, sorry, but you can't shoot the PKs." You just aren't allowed to, um, because of they didn't want that video out there of how Nick do- dove and where the guys were shooting it. That you weren't allowed to. So then I actually asked Nick um, afterward. I said, you know, when when it comes to, I said you're really good at stopping penalty shots, which he like, is. You're amazing at it. How much of it is reaction, and how much of it is you've studied and, and you know where they're going to go. And he kind of, he actually kind of got a little, um, he, it, mad isn't the right word, but a little, uh, Ticked perturbed, off. perturbed. Okay. Because he was like, he was kind of like, everyone just assumes it's just reaction, but he didn't really answer the question that much. So I think that there's a lot of like that. Uh, he kind of hinted that, look, man, this is more than just reaction. Like I have skill here. I, and, and I think that there is. I mean, you know, when, when you, you they talk about baseball now and, like, doing all this scouting of, like, where's a guy hitting the ball? Where's the guy missing the ball? Where can you pitch to get this guy out? And you watch the film and pitchers watch the film before. It there, I think you can psych yourself out. Like, well, it's, but on the other side of the coin, it's like I, uh, Greg Maddox, who I think really is one of the greatest pitchers of the 1990s. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, he was known as the professor. You know, like right. he, he spent so much time watching film that yeah. he knew the body language of every hitter he was going to go up against, and and you know, like, he didn't have a lot of pitches in his arsenal. You know, right? And and I, he well, just knew where to put the ball every time. Every time he released it, look at Mariano Rivera. You knew what pitch was coming. Yeah, you got a cutter or a fastball. It, it, was, the, it was the cutter. Yeah. It, he was always going to throw you the cutter. The problem was you couldn't hit it. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's something about covering sports that has always fascinated me, and I, I always, I'd love to ask about it, is that as the athlete, what are you doing? Are you reacting to what the other person is doing, or are you doing or are you dictating the play? And, and it, it really varies by sport and by athlete as to how that is. Because what I found is some of the best athletes say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I don't care what they're doing because I'm better than them. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to dictate it and make them react to me. I think Trevor Hoffman was one of those guys. And he was more like, because he got lit. How many blown saves did Hoffman right. have? He, right. I mean, I'd say in hundreds, but he got blown up a lot in mm-hmm. a lot of key positions. But it kind of was the same way. It's like he had two pitches. You yeah. know, and he was going to throw them. You knew they were coming. Yes. And I think he willed himself to win more than he almost like outperformed sometimes. It, it was, it when I think when it it's like Hoffman in a third inning would be destroyed. Like nobody, he would right. be one of the most hittable guys. But that ninth inning when Hell's Bells comes out, it's like he. I think he was the man in that situation. What what you hear so often, especially in baseball with young pitchers that like when the pitching coach goes out or the catcher goes out with a a rookie, what they tell them is trust your stuff, trust your stuff. And, and I think that that's true in that. And it's true with the penalty kicks and everything. Like go with what got you there. Like don't make up your mind. I, I think, I think that what you have to do is you have to make up your mind and then you go and you do it. You don't, as you're running to the ball, you don't look to see, oh, the goalie's kind of going left, so I'm going to go right. Because they're trying to, like, the goalie's trying to mess with your head. Yeah. Like, you, you just set your mind up, and you do it, and and if if it's good enough, then you win. If it isn't, then you don't. Well, as an editor, as an editor of this paper, I mean, is, that, is, is there a, a way to compare this to writing? You know, just like, you just say, like, have the confidence in yourself to write the best story. And you know the the lead that you're going with is the best one you can come up with. I think so. It, it's or, is, or does it translate to that? Or I, I don't know if it does. I I don't know. I don't I don't know as though it does. Um, 
Or is in writing you need more perspective and sometimes maybe even, you know, to take a deep breath before you start, you know, clickety-clacking on the keys. Whereas with baseball, soccer, football, all these participatory journalism things we were talking about, it's just like, trust you can throw that punch to hit Archie Moore. Yeah, I, I think for me, when it comes to the writing, I think taking a step back is sometimes better. Like, um, if I have the opportunity where, like, I, I'm, I'm going to drive right after the game mm-hmm. to go somewhere to write – I actually think that that's better than just starting to write because you kind of kick stuff around in your head, your head a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, ah, it, it, like, cause for me, I, I'll get really fixated on one idea and kind of lose sight of the whole, uh, kind of that perspective you're talking yeah, yeah. about, losing the perspective. And that if I have a, like 10 minutes or 15 minutes to just kind of think it through and work it over in my head, I can kind of gain that perspective a little bit better than if I, it's just I have 15 minutes to write this and I need to do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that I can get too caught up on something and, and not let it go. So that's just me. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, but same side of the coin. You know, you work on deadline. Trust your stuff's good. Do what you can do. You know, yeah. this needs to be submitted at 10.59 and 11 right. o'clock it's too late. Trust that you got it. And, and, and it, it comes from, for me, there's a lot of kind of during my career, I've learned the mistakes that I make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I've, I've kind of learned, all right, look, man, you need to slow down, like slow down and make sure that that number is right. Make sure that that percentage is right. Yeah. Things like that. Just double checking because that's something that I've, re- I've seen that I've made mistakes on is where I'm like, Oh, that number wasn't right because I was going too fast. Instead of taking the time, that extra 20 seconds to double-check the math. To say that they were the 4A state champions, not the 5A right. state champions. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Something yes. like that. You understand. Oh, I know that. Because uh, kind of we're wrapping this up right now, uh, looking forward. Uh, just personally for me, this is my favorite part of the year when it comes to covering prep sports. You know, we've got softball, baseball, and boys soccer. Boys soccer, it is what it is. But that baseball for these kids, I mean, it's it's got to be – it's kind of – I think it's an exciting buzz and also a great way to, for a lot of these kids to be ending the school year. It, it's kind of uh, baseball in America. is kind of like curling in Canada. <laughs> you see how I brought that back? You brought it all the way around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although, uh, usually, uh, part of the looking forward to it is that the weather's getting nice and it's getting warm outside. But we didn't really have a winter in Utah. Not really. In, uh, in northern Utah here. So, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I guess let's play baseball. Mm-hmm. But, you know. It's been nice enough to play baseball for the last two months. You know, for me, what I like is that, uh, you know, I've covered a handful of basketball games. The basketball is great, you know, and it's yeah. great. It, it was so many wonderful gyms here in Utah, you know, and you basically go going down to Utah County all the way up to Weber mm-hmm. and, you know, even as far as Ogden. Um, but the uh, fans, a.k.a. the parents, you know, uh, I think for whatever reason, they're base- the baseball uh, side of the parents, you know, they make just for some of the best backdrop listening to that you can have any particular – I don't think there's a better sport to cover to listen to parents at, yeah. you know, than baseball or softball. You know? Yeah, I mean y- – yeah, I, it's listen, always fun to listen to the arguments over strikes and balls from the stands when, yeah. like, you're looking through a chain link fence and you're like 50 feet behind, and you're at an angle. That was a strike. I don't know what you're looking at, sir. Oh. You know, I I think that those are a little bit better than the parents at basketball games. That was a foul. Yeah. Well, because uh, everyone's screaming foul. Right, you know, the right. entire game in right. basketball, right. nonstop yes. on that. Uh, it's kind of like in football. Oh, that's holding. That's holding. <laughs> I hear that. Uh, uh, the one uh, I, I I don't remember I I'm not going to name the two teams uh, but uh, it was a softball game that I did last year and as uh, uh, team A beat team B in a close fashion and stuff like that the play the the winning play was not determined by this but it was uh, allegedly one of the girls might not have stepped on third base you know might not you know we we're not sure and the uh, the umps uh, made the call in the field and the, the call stood and they yeah. you know but it wasn't the you know it wasn't the seventh inning it was the second or third inning and I remember as I'm waiting for uh, some co- to, uh, time to speak to the coaches and grab a couple of the girls to get some quotes from them and stuff like that parents because you're sitting out there you got your press pass you got your bag right. around your shoulder they know who you are yes. you know it doesn't matter you know, even if you don't have a great face like Kyle Goon they know who you are <laughs> but uh, and I, remember this, I remember parents coming up and screaming at me you're gonna write about that bag you know that bag not being touched are you and it's like, no, no, we'll work it in if we can. You know, right. it, you know do, right. I, which, maybe we'll put it in a sidebar. I'm not exactly sure, you know, but it was just. Uh, That's always one of the most awkward conversations. Like, where oh, like uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, I, I only got 350 words, you know. I mean, right. uh, we'll try and work it in there, you know, and, and even though, I don't know, I, I think that's one of the better parts, but. 
Uh, as we're wrapping this up, do us a big favor, uh, big episode 42, subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on, uh, go to sltrib.com also to find the show. When you're at iTunes, uh, rate and review the show, uh, per usual uh, five-star rating, and then kill us in the comment sections. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, he's at K, uh, K Winmo. I'm at Benny Raskin. And then we have uh, Trip Sports Radio as our Twitter account. Tweet questions on that. Thanks to everybody who has been uh, following along on that. We'll be posting a few more to that. Uh, I think this curling thing's got definitely some legs. I, I want to remind people, 5 o'clock on Sunday, the Tim Hortons Briar Champ- gold medal match. Going to be legendary we're not even getting paid for that plug people so i would definitely recommend- although if tim hortons wanted to send us some donuts <laughs> from canada i am more than willing to accept them um as we're getting closer i think this curling thing should happen and i think we should get a team together yeah uh, and uh, i think it's also be a nice chance if any listener wants to join us down there you know tweet at us we'll tweet back at we'll get together maybe we'll put together a uh, tribune versus uh, the rest of utah competition as we're learning how to do some curling I'm game. I think we're all game. Let's do it. Uh, next day, what week, we're going to be doing the podcast on Tuesday. We will have guests. I don't know who they are yet, but it's going to be uh, somebody somebody pretty good. I'm, I'm certain of this. Oh, uh, you're going so out on we're going to what we call, We're going to what we call a teaser there, people. So uh, thanks for listening. For uh, Kevin Winter Morris, I'm Ben Raskin. Thank you. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trip Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trip Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.